Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I invite you to follow along or just simply listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had got it out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Lord, we've worked all night long and caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done this, they'd caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to burst. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astounded at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. When they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. With summer in full swing, what could be more perfect than a story about the beach? I have to admit I'm a little bit envious of Jesus and his disciples. Doesn't that sunny shoreline sound nice? Maybe you and your family are eagerly anticipating your own trip to the lake in the next few weeks. Or maybe some of you just got back from the beach yourselves. Or if you're anything like me, maybe you're settling for kiddie pools and sprinklers this summer. On long, hot days, there's something wonderful, perhaps even holy, about drawing near to the water, isn't there? I remember when I was a little kid, no more than five or six, our family went on a short summer vacation to Virginia Beach. It wasn't anything fancy, but we were so excited. We drove all the way, all day, all the way to our hotel and got there just as the sun was setting. We ate pizza and drank Cokes and got to stay up late. That's a big deal when you're six years old. The thing is, my parents made a crucial mistake. After flipping through the channels, they settled on the Discovery Channel's Shark Week for our evening entertainment. Oops. As it turns out, watching television coverage of shark attack after shark attack the night before a day at the beach made us all a little reluctant to wade out into the water. Who knew what was swimming below the ocean's murky depths? My brother and I were constantly scanning the horizon for shark fins, waiting for lifeguards and medics to snap into action at any moment. 
Suffice it to say, we spent a whole lot of time searching for seashells and building sandcastles safely on land. Try as they did, my parents couldn't coax us away from the safety of the shoreline. Let's go in together, ready? One, two, three. But we wouldn't budge. It'll feel good to cool off. We can even stay in the shallow part. But still, they were met with protests. Come on, just a few steps. Nothing bad's gonna happen. But we shook our heads, wide-eyed with fear. Finally, after all matter of reassurances and cajoling, bribes and warnings had failed, they abandoned their efforts and embraced a change of plans. So off we headed to the hotel pool. These children are gonna swim, dadgummit, our dad muttered under his breath. But as our parents plunged into the water, my brother and I sat cautiously on the deck. Come on in, the water's great, they called. But what if there's a shark? We whimpered. <sighs> I promise there are no sharks in the pool. There couldn't be. They live in the salty ocean water. The chlorine would kill them. It's perfectly safe. Yet despite all the logic and the reason in the world, we remained unconvinced. And that's how it went, the whole trip. The voice of fear overrode the call of the ocean. The safety of the shoreline outweighed the cool refreshment of the water. Our anxious what-ifs and worst-case scenarios superseded the one opportunity we had that summer to dip our toes in the sea. Because we were too afraid to leave the beach, we missed out. I think about that experience a lot, even now. And saying yes to safety or comfort or convenience or self-protection, what do we inherently say no to? And choosing not to take a risk, might we be missing out on a life-giving opportunity? When playing it safe, is it possible we're boxing ourselves in and keeping ourselves small? What if vulnerability really is, as some have said, the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change? Well, we aren't the only ones to wonder these things. We aren't the only ones caught up in risk-benefit analysis and pro-con lists. In our scripture reading this morning, Jesus' first disciples wrestle with these very questions. As Luke describes the scene, it's early morning, and Simon Peter is cleaning his fishing nets after a miserable night out on the lake. He and his fellow fisher folk have worn themselves out, casting nets from dusk till dawn. As the sun rises, they have nothing to show for their efforts, but sore muscles and weary hearts. Their nets are empty. Just then, Jesus shows up, steps into Simon's boat, and tells him to put out into the deep water. In other words, do the same old, same old, one more time with no guarantee that it'll get better results. Simon protests, Lord, we've worked all night. 
Nevertheless, he sighs and reluctantly agrees. If you say so, Jesus, I guess I will. Episcopalian Bishop Peter Eaton points out that Jesus didn't show up after a good night's sleep and a hearty breakfast. He came to find these folks after a long working day, after back-breaking labor, and told them to keep on working. On the surface, this doesn't sound like good news at all. And yet, we all know that the outcome is astonishing an abundance far beyond their wildest imaginings. They caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break from the strain. The fish were so plentiful that they needed not one but two boats to haul everything to shore. The thing is, none of this would have been possible if Simon Peter had kept his boat safely in the harbor. Had he not left the shallow waters to try again one last time, he would have missed out on the miracle. Jesus calls him to go deep, and despite his weariness and his frustration and his failed attempts, Simon Peter decided to follow where Jesus led. If you ask me, his faithfulness, his willingness to trust and follow despite the impracticalities is even more miraculous than the enormous catch that day. I'm sure he felt foolish heading right back out into the water, probably more than a little annoyed. But joining the faithful of every age and place, he said yes anyway. Just think about all the heroes and heroines of our faith who God has called into deep water. Noah, that faithful fellow who built a boat as the rains fell and the water rose, the one who endured the devastation of the flood and discovered that God had made all things new. Moses, the baby drawn out of the waters of death, who would go on to lead his people through parted seas to a new land of freedom and promise. Jonah, the reluctant prophet who descended to the ocean's depths only to realize that God's call on his life was bigger than any of his human objections. And let's not forget Jesus, the one whose baptism broke open the heavens, the one who was sent from the riverbank into the wilderness of ministry before the water had even dried. The faithful of every age have shown us that the deep water is where the Spirit moves. In the deep water, we're suddenly free of all the distractions of life back on shore. The fishermen left behind their limits their failures, their disappointments, their frustration, their empty nets. They left behind their regular routine. They suspended their skepticism and opened themselves up to a new way of doing things. It's an unusual approach to try again just once more, even though they were tired from a hard day's work with nothing to show for it to cast out those nets that they'd just finished cleaning and were ready to put away. Sure, they may have been humoring him, but nevertheless, they set sail. As commentator Debbie Thomas notes, we all know what it's like to work really hard at something that matters, 
and to have nothing to show for our efforts when we're done. We all know what it's like to pour ourselves into a job, a relationship, a ministry, a dream, and come away exhausted, frustrated, thwarted, and done. But if Simon's experience is representative, maybe Jesus has a penchant for showing up precisely at those moments of loss and defeat. Maybe he has good reasons for asking us to return to old places of pain and failure. In any case, when he asks, he doesn't stand at the shore and just wave us forward. He steps into the boat and ventures into the deep water right there with us. Is his timing maddening sometimes? Yes. But maybe his timing is also perfect. Maybe we're most open to new insights when we've exhausted our own resources and know that we have nothing much else to lose in saying yes to one more attempt, this time with Jesus at our side. Even the most earnest and hardworking of us can land upon shore some mornings with empty, stinking fishing nets tangled in our fingers, wondering what the heck went wrong. The hardest thing to do at these moments is to make the leap of trust that Simon makes. Yet if you say so, I will. Yet if you say so, I'll try again. Yet if you say so, I will be faithful to my vocation. Yet if you say so, I'll go deep rather than remain in the shallows. Yet if you say so, I will trust that your presence in the boat is more precious than any guarantee of success. Yet if you say so, I'll cast my empty net into the water and look with hope for your kingdom to come. Friends, I know this morning many of us are weary. We have been working so long and so hard. We've tried and failed so many times that we just want to cut our losses and call it a day. We feel discouraged in life and in ministry, and we struggle to feel hopeful about the future. How can we continue to follow Jesus when we're bone-tired? How do we muster the courage to leave the safety of the harbor when the world feels so tenuous? How do we find the strength to load up our boats and head back out there when it seems foolish and impractical to try again? How? Through Christ with Christ, in Christ, in the company of the Holy Spirit. Only then can we say yes to the call. Only then can we faithfully follow. May we, like Simon Peter, cast our nets into deep water, and may God surprise us with an extraordinary catch. May we be astonished by abundance, overwhelmed by grace, and exhilarated by God's power and presence in our lives. May even the most reluctant yes leave us hooked. And we, may we leave our nets to follow Jesus along the way. Amen.